We're going to be in the book of James. So uh, turn there, James 1, uh, 5 through 8. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Clint w- went through the beginning part of James, which um, is a letter um, from James to the early church. And the first part's reminding them, man, you're going through hard stuff, but God is still good. Reminding us, man, you can find joy even in the storms, right? Storms coming tomorrow. There's still, you summer people, there's still joy you can find right? It's there, man. It's there, and it's a promise from the Lord. And so this is where we find that next part in uh, James 1, verse 5. And read it with me, either on the screen or on your own Bible. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all that he does. Let us pray. Father God, we just we lift your name up because you are worthy of all praise. You are to be glorified today. God, and, and God, we pray that we would be stretched, that we would, we would grow and mature today, knowing that you are still God. No matter what we go through, you are sovereign, you are good, you are in control, and you are just. And you will never leave us. You'll never forsake us for those that call in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, this letter is written to the early church. It's one of the earliest uh, letters that we find in the New Testament. This is written by the brother of Jesus. He's a family member of Jesus. And he went from an unbeliever to a believer after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, John 7, 5 says, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. So James is one of those that he was an unbeliever at one point. And it's documented in the Gospel of John uh, that he was one of the brothers that didn't believe in him. After the resurrection... He saw his brother crucified. He saw his brother die. And then he sees him crucified. And he sees him rise again. And he's like, I am now a believer in Jesus Christ. So much that um, not too long after this book is written, James is martyred and killed for his faith because he will not deny that Jesus is Lord. And so this is an amazing, amazing letter to us today. It still rings true. God's word does not end uh, from just the season that it in is it is that it's in. It's all for all people for all time. So we look at it today and we see God still telling His story. It does not end. Amen. The first thing we want to look at today is asking for wisdom. You're going through trials. You're going through junk. We all go through them, right? Right. There, there's there, there's you're going to go through a time in your faith that it's going to get rocked. It's going to get shaken. Right? Scripture does not say once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, nothing bad will happen to you. The Scripture doesn't say, and Jesus did not promise, that you're never going to go through difficult times. But he did promise, I will never leave you or forsake you. And peace is available through any and all things that you go through. And so John's telling them, you can even, or, or, or James is telling them, you can even find joy in this. Right? When your world is shaken and there's difficult things, you can find joy. How do you do it? Ask for wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Why don't we always ask for wisdom? This is kind of like an like oxymoron. Like, of course, we're all going to need God's wisdom. Right? If you're a believer, that's one of the things you've understood. You've submitted to God. It's not my way, but yet we struggle in the flesh, in our arrogance, in our intellect. It's my way. Right? I like my way. I like my, my food done my way. I like my time done my way. Everything done my way. But if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm following his way, not my way. 
Jesus said it in Luke 22, 42, at the cross. He said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Some have not received salvation because they're not willing to submit that they need forgiveness. Some of us in this room are maybe we're believers in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but we're still growing. Well, all of us are still growing. And, and one of the things that we need to grow in is like, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. We keep um, crashing up against a rock, against a, 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 a wall that's called God's will, and you will not win. It's craziness, but yet we still do it. It's my way, my way. And we live in a day and time in our society where we let the pit speak. You're in your struggle. You're in your addiction. You're in your failure. And somehow in our day and time, that's when we think we're the expert. Right? I think there comes a time when there's a great story and there's a great testimony when you've come through that on the other side of it. They say, these are the things that God taught me. or These are the things that I learned. But in our society, if you're in the pit, no one can touch you. You've got all the answers, and it's just not true. When we're going through our junk, when we're going through our trials, it is human nature that we like to take the wheel. However, this is the time that we need to let go. If you've you've ever been trained to be a lifeguard, you understand that there might be a time that when you're saving someone, you might have to knock them out to save them, right? Because when people are drowning, they panic, and they start to fight back, and they might try to punch the lifeguards. The lifeguard might have to take them out to save them. Our will is so strong, but we must submit to the Lord. And we do that by asking wisdom. Again, verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, that'd be me, that'd be you, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Proverbs 21.2 says, all a man's way seems right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. So what Proverbs is telling us is that we need God's wisdom, and we think we're right. Man, the, have you ever had that time that you thought you were so right about something, but come to find out you were so wrong, right? You ever find, like, when someone texts you, you're going back and forth communication, and you totally, because you're not in the same room with them, you can't hear their tone, you can't see their facial expression, and you think they're mad at you? Right, right, and then you and then you talk to them and you clarify like you're like so ready to just give them their business, and then you get in a room and they're like, oh man, I was just I was just answering back. Right? Am, am I the only one that does that? Right? I found like like well, I grew up like an exclamation mark like it meant you were either like like really mad about something or really excited. Not everyone uses that way, right? And so like I'll be oh man, are they mad at me? And I'll show up my wife. Are they mad? I don't know. And then you get together like oh dude, I was just texting, dude. Just you Let me go through that, right? Um, Someone's waving at you, but they're not waving at you. They're waving at the person behind you, but you think, oh, oh <laughs> you're not. right? Someone's going down the road. You're going down the road. You cut them off. They didn't even notice. They're just singing their favorite song at the top of their lungs, right? They're, like, they're yelling at me. No, they're singing a song, right? Everybody remember Y2K 20 years ago? Almost 20 years ago, Y2K, when we thought the world was going to end? All the experts were like, yeah, we messed up with our computers, and we're not going to know how to turn back, and you need to, like, have, you need to be Y2K ready. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right, right? And then the next day hit, year 2000, you're like, oh, my, my bad. Right? And a lot of people, like, spent a lot of money and invested in things they did not need. And it's crazy. 20 years from that time, we're still like, oh, yeah, we know better. We know, we know better. We're, we're so smart. As you go through the day, 
do you seek the Lord's direction? Actually talk to him. Lord God, what do you want for me to do today? God, what do you have for me? I I believe God wants us to be confident people, but not confident in ourselves, confident in him. The wisest man is the one that says, God, lead the way, because I'm done leading myself. The unwisest keeps hitting that wall, failure after failure, so I'm just going to get back up, but I'm not going to change anything. That's called insanity. But yet we do it all the time. We like to be in charge. In Genesis 11:4, we see the Tower of Babel. And it says, as they build the Tower of Babel, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we would make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And what you see in the Tower of Babel, and God separates them, and this is where before this time, According to scripture, everyone spoke the same language. That kind of makes sense, right? And in the Tower of Babel, there was this time on the earth where where people were saying exactly what we struggle with today. We want to be on top. Let's make a name for us. We don't trust there's enough. So we'll come up with our plan. And God says, that's not going to work. And what I love is we see in the day of Pentecost in Acts, as the Holy Spirit is given to all believers, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, And then they can understand the language, right? God has something in mind where our confusion and our chaos just continues to grow. In him, there is clarity. There is truth. Amen. But we struggle with, we like to be in charge. So this quote this week, change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change we seek. And um, this is actually from a leader from a couple years ago. And I put America instead of that leader because we would try to make this a political thing when it should be an oh, ouch thing. Because my struggle and your struggle tends to be, especially as Americans, my way, I will save myself, I will not submit. It is the anthem of Americans because we like to do stuff. We are the change we seek, and that is the change that is suffocating us. Do you believe that we need God? And do we believe that God listens? And when we believe that we need God every step of the day, and we believe he listens, we will ask for wisdom. As we're going through our stuff, because as a Christian, you're going to go through hard stuff. God promises it. This side of heaven, he says, yeah, you're going to go through stuff, but I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And if you go through that stuff long enough, it's called life, and you don't ask God for wisdom, and you don't filter through the Holy Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit minister to you, and through his word, and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God is in charge, that he is good, that he is loving, then you are going to find yourself either not a believer or an agnostic faith. And I've had some friends that have went down that way that says there is a God, but it doesn't matter because he doesn't care and he doesn't listen. It's called a hardened heart. And maybe some of us are here today. All the wonders of the world is before you and you still sit as a skeptic to God's love, to God's sovereignty. Right? We need direction. But we like to be in charge. Number two, We don't always understand the heart of God, and I believe the only way that you can understand the heart of God is through the Holy Spirit. You spend time in his presence, right? We're going through stuff, and we realize, oh, God is using this for my benefit. I can find joy in this because God is doing something bigger than what I see. 
And if you've been a believer long enough, you can testify to it. Right? Needing God's direction, you're done being lost. Like one of the, one of the best things that, that happened in my marriage is when we got a smartphone and a GPS came with it, right? Because I did not get the gift of map skills, right? And my wife was like, oh, turn like, oh, no. And we got to, now I just listen to Siri. I know exactly where I'm going, right? It's such a good thing to know where you're going and submitting. But also the other thing is understanding the heart of God. Do you believe that God gives generously? Or is he looking at you like your earthly father and say, what do you want? You want something from me again? Oh, I'll give it to you if you earn it. I'll give it to you if you're worthy. If you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and you understand the heart of God, you go, oh, he wants to give. He is good. He is holy. He's a loving father. Now, what I believe James also wants us to know and we need to understand today and, and Pastor Clint talked about it last week a little bit as well. Um, there, there is a lie that, that was 2,000 years ago, but it's also seeped into the church today, and it's this prosperity gospel, right? This prosperity gospel that says once you become a believer, it's just all riches, 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 fun, fun, fun. You're always on top. That's not true. But again, he'll never leave you and never forsake you. He's still God. He's still God good. The flip side of that, some of us that have taken hold of like, yeah, I'm not going to hold on to the prosperity gospel. I don't see it in scripture. If, if, if we stay there too long, then we're over on the, oh, God doesn't care. God isn't generous. He just wants, he died on the cross to save me from hell, but he just wants to discipline me all day long. He wants to see me fail. And James is reminding us, no, if you need wisdom, because you do, ask for it. And God wants to give it generously. He wants to overflow your cup because he is that good. Amen? We must understand the heart of God. Matthew seven eleven says this, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Exclamation mark. <laughs> you got to ask. Why? Because God said it's like God knows when I sin, and God says, you got to repent, you got to confess. God knew it, but he says, you got to do this. you got to confess, got to repent. Same thing for prayer, asking for wisdom. Like, ask him. Articulate it. He wants to do this dance with you. And he's saying, man, you know how to give good gifts. How much more do I, the Father, know how to give good gifts? When you understand the heart of God, Abba, Father, Daddy, it changes everything. And you will ask and it's his good pleasure to give. Number three reason why I believe that we don't always ask for wisdom. Number one, we like to be in charge. Number two, we don't understand the heart of God. I just want to understand the heart of God. Spend some time with him every day, and you'll see his heart. Number three, we don't always understand God's plan. We don't always understand there's something bigger going on, and we need to. Do you believe that God wants to bless you? This bigger plan. Galatians 3.29 talks, and this is to the Gentiles. This would be us those that were not born um, a Jewish, okay, right? The begin a lot of James is, is talking to Jewish Christians, okay? Uh, Galatians is talking to Gentiles, you and me. And it says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The promise to Abraham was to be blessed and to be a blessing. And that God would curse those that cursed Abraham and his seed, which means God fights your battles, not you. So as you're going through your stuff, be blessed, be a blessing, let God fight your battles, and it is good and it is holy. Your life 
brings God glory. And some of us, in Jesus' name, may, the, may we come out of the prison today of believing a God that's always out to get you. It's always there to catch you and is not excited to see you blessed. Although scripture says, your blessings, your goodness, you walking in fruit gives him glory. And just like what Matthew 7, 11 said, right? Even though that I am evil, I am not God, I know how to give my kids good gifts. Why? Because I love seeing them open up their presents. I love seeing them playing with their friends. I love seeing them succeed. It is good. It's awesome. How much more does God want to see that in us? He did not save you so he could just keep you down. Amen? And what I love, I love being a dad. I love hanging out with my kids. I love um, picking them up from school. I love playing with them. I love when they do things. I say, yeah, they got that from dad, right? Some of their bad traits, yeah, they got that from dad. They didn't get that from mom. They learned that from me, right? I'll, I'll, I'll own it. Man, I just love watching them play and grow. And all my kids, they're, 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 you know, dada, daddy, right? Dada, daddy. And it just melts your heart, right? You, you dads out there know what I'm talking about. Your kids call you daddy. You're like, okay, whatever you want, you have it, you know. Thank God God's a little different than that. He's still sovereign. But what I can't wait is when I share something in common with my kids, when they know the Lord so well that they call him Abba. And this dad here will be replaced by the best dad because I will fail them. I will not always be on time. I don't know everything. Sometimes I can be a jerk. Sometimes I'm not data, right? But Abba, Father, when they've experienced that, his wisdom, his goodness, I can't wait until they experience that. And guess what? They're going to experience that through some failures. They're going to experience that through some trials and say, he's, he's still good, Dad. He's still God. Dad, he's still, he's Abba. He cares about my day. That will be a glorious day for this dad's life. Amen? Ask for wisdom. Do it. Come pray. Come talk to the Lord. Do it and watch what God does because you need it. And he's more than willing to give you his promises. And when you do it, ask in faith. Verse 6 says, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Now, this word doubt here is like in other verses of hesitation. It's not doubting. Like, you're not God. Of course you're going to doubt. Like, okay, God, how's this going to work out? Father, I'm having a hard time. Paul even talked about, Lord, help me with my unbelief. The greatest men and women throughout time and in the Bible said, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Right? So some of us read the scripture and like, oh, my word, I doubt it. I'm done. I'm tossed by the sea. No. That's not what it's talking about. If you, can't have faith with, you can't have faith without some doubt. You can't have some faith without some questions. You, can have, you can't have some faith without uncertainty, right? That's just how it is. Why? Because you're not God. You, you, don't, you don't know every mountain. You don't know every tree. You don't know what time holds. You're not God. So there's going to be some uncertainty. This is talking about hesitation, okay? So what James is talking about, he's saying some of you guys are out there, and you've called upon the name of Jesus, but you're not following him. It's just in my day and time, it was called fire insurance, and James saying, you don't really believe. You're just kind of like checking, like, hey, well, okay, fine. I'll just check this box just in case God is real. You got that one out. That's what he's talking about. And some of us might even be wrestling with that. Like, you know what? I've even got baptized. I've said the Lord's Prayer. I don't believe. He might be talking about you. 
Now, he might. I don't know. I don't know. I've had friends. They're like, yeah, man, I, I don't believe you've ever, ever followed Jesus. Ever. You've just said some words. So the question today is, have you decided to follow Jesus? That's what James is talking about in this word doubt. This hesitation. It says, okay, well, if everything turns out where, like, God is, like, everything works out good for me. Like, I mean, I'm the richest. I marry the best spouse. My kids are, like, never bad. Like, my career, they'll, like, I don't have to work, but yet they still give me, like, tons of money. Then, yeah, God's good. Yeah. That's, that's what he's talking about. People are still trying to, like, it's like dating, like dating, and I hate to like burst your bubble. I'm not Mr. Romantic. Dating, it says, I will like you till somebody else better comes along. Sorry, ladies. That's what it is. Right? Right? I'll tell my, I'll tell my kids that. Yeah, dating, you're going to get your heart broke. Why? Because dating is just like, I'll like you till someone else gets better along. Or I like wasn't good enough. And they, covenant marriage is different. Like a marriage, a covenant says, I'm with you forever. That's what James is talking about. Some of us do crash diets. You ever had that friend that's crash diets, right? You're with them, and they, they can, like, drink water, and that's it, right? It's like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm whatever this, I'm whatever that. I can't have anything that's good. I can't, you know, and, and, and it's going to crash diet. And then next week you see him, like, dude, you have Andes. What are you doing with Andes? Like, oh, yeah, that diet didn't work, right? That's what he's talking about. And so the question is, have you decided to follow Jesus? You've got both feet in. You're on the roller coaster. There's no going back. You're just going to trust. And in the end, it's the best. John 14, 1 through 2. This is from Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And I love this in verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Many in this world view a God that doesn't care, that doesn't listen, and then doesn't have enough. We want to be good stewards. Like, we live in a day and time, conservation, right? We're caring about our environment. That's really good. But there's also a side, friends, brothers, and sisters, that's really evil. Because there's a side of it that's just like in the Tower of Babel that says there's not going to be enough. God must, he has no, he has no plan. But when you know, when you know, that his cupboards don't run empty. His table doesn't run out. You see it differently. Our view of God must change, and our faith grows in that. Your world crashes, and he's still good, and he's still God. Your faith grows. This should have destroyed me, but it didn't, because he's still good. He's still God. Abraham Lincoln said this as he's, you know, going through the Civil War and, 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 and wanting to see his world change. He says this, the best thing about the future is that it comes only one day at a time. Faith every day. Today might be good. Tomorrow might be difficult. God is still God. God is still good. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Number two, I'd like to say, we're asking in faith, is that our portion says a lot. And the why behind our portion. Maybe your portion is like, hey, you know what? I'm taking a little right now. I'm going to be the least right now. Not because I believe God's running out. Not believe because, I, because God doesn't have enough room. But because God has enough room. I can take a little right now. I can be last in line because what he has never stops going. Right? Some of us have a little small portion because we serve a small God. 
not the God that we find in the Bible. Some of us have a fat portion because we think, well, I better get mine because it's going to run out. Our portion says a lot. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. And some of us will see that the door will be open. And I promise you, some of us are like, whatever. Because your faith still needs to grow. God is still God. And he says, seek me. You'll find me. Knock. And the door's going to be open. And when you've walked with the Lord and you've asked for wisdom, and you walk in faith, you go, you know what? In God's timing, his door will open. And it's so worth it to keep knocking. That's what James is talking about. The one that's hesitating is like, okay, boom, boom, see you later. He's not there. He, he, God was not home. <laughs> but the one walking in mature faith says, he's always home, and the door's always open. And I'm going to knock in faith. Amen? Our obedience matters, even when we don't understand. As we talk about faith, as we talk about prayer, Many of us would maybe understand God is sovereign. So then we'll question, so what does it matter for me to pray? If God is sovereign, then does he listen? Because why would he want to know anything I have to say or what I'm feeling? Obedience would tell you God is sovereign. He listens, and he's called us to prayer. Some of us are struggling. Man, is he out to get me? Because I just feel like, (laughs) like if, you know, Snow comes for everyone else tomorrow. It's probably be an Armageddon for me, right? Like it's just like he's out to get me. He's out to get me. He's out to get me. And that's just not true. But your obedience matters no matter what you feel. Our feelings are good. They're 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 a great um, eye opener. They're a great wake up call. But they're not our guide. You will not walk in faith if your feelings and emotions rule you. Obedience matters. He says in verse 7, the man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all his ways, in all that he does. God is for me. God's against me. God is for me. God is, I hope God is for me today. He's against me. You know, I, I lost my job. He's against me. It's not true. And it's unstable to work that way. I was good today. I didn't sin. The blessing has have just come. God must like me today. I sinned. God has come out to get me. I need to run. Adam, where are you? Like in the garden? Adam, where are you? (laughs) I know you're hiding. This is foolish. God is good. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And for Americans, we like our money. We like our comfort. We like our stuff right? Kingdom of God talks about blessing after blessing and riches after riches. It's more than okay to be blessed. It's more than okay to have riches, right? I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel, the problem with it is God isn't sovereign. God isn't Lord. You are. That's the problem. But the flip side of that is that God never blesses, right? That's That's not the gospel either. God is for me. And if money is your God or stuff is your God, your happiness is your God, you will leave God. You cannot serve two masters. There's a pillar of faith. I believe in pillars. I believe things that are true, 
because God has shown them through his word. He's shown them in the lives of Christians for a long time. And my feelings don't always feel this way. But number one, God is good. No matter what I feel, God is good. God does some things that I would not do if I was God. I'm not God. That's good for you. That's good for me, right? God is good. Number two, he is for me. God disciplines those he loves. If I time, you ever feel like God is distant? Ever feel like God is distant? You're like, God, where are you, man? I'm praying. I just don't feel you. He's still for you. Have you ever had someone say, come in a little closer? Man, if we're not asking for wisdom, if we're not asking for the Lord, if we're not walking in faith, God is saying, come in closer, and you just feel he's distant. But if you know a pillar of the faith, you'd know God is good. He is for me. He did not die on the cross so he could just mess with you. And he is in charge. God is good. He is holy. He is for me. He has saved me. It is his good pleasure that none would perish. He gives you that decision. He is in charge. But sometimes we can, we can struggle with divided loyalties. And that's what, that's what James is talking about in verse 6 and verse 7. This double-mindedness. God loves me today. He hates me tomorrow. It is a miserable way to live. As a Christian, it's the most miserable way to live. Psalms 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. King David got it. God wants my heart. Why do you go through your stuff? Because God has something bigger going on. Hey, you, you talked about covenant relationships. I'm in a covenant relationship. My wife and I have decided because of Jesus Christ, we will always love each other. There are days when that seems like, oh, what did I sign up for? She would say the same thing, right? I'm so thankful for covenant relationship. It says, man, I'm with you, Lord, no matter what. And God says the sacrifice of God or a broken spirit, broken contrite heart, oh, God will not despise. God says, man, just bring it. Just bring your, your reality to me. Bring what you're struggling with to me because I will answer don't fake it. In fact, um, Galatians 6, 7 says, do not, be, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Religion, man, we just try to fake it. We just try to like, okay, I'm just going to say. So he's saying here in James, like, man, that double-mindedness. Some of us, some, you know, need to become Christians. Stop hesitating and, and trust in the Lord. Well, I've said the words, but no, you're not following Jesus. That would mean you're not a believer. You're not a follower. I mean, some of us, it's just me to mature in it. You believe, you trust, but God wants you to mature. Why does he want you to mature? Because he loves you. He has the best for you. You need to mature. And sometimes in our faith and sometimes in our prayer, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it's not the answer to our questions or the answers to our prayer that we need. Right? Job in the Bible, towards the end of the Old Testament, went through more junk than I can even comprehend. He lost family. He lost kids. He lost friends. He lost all of his finances. He lost his health. God was still good. God was still in charge. God was still for him. And when Job asked God in Job 38, like, what is going on? 
He gives them this answer that we would be like, man, God, you're pretty insensitive. Man, don't you understand everything he's going through? Oh, man, you don't want, oh, this is just too hard for Job. No, he tells him the truth. He tells him exactly what he needs to hear. In verse 4, he says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you can understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know who stretched a measuring line across it. God isn't messing with Job here. He's still good. He's still sovereign. He still loves Job. What he's telling him, Job, you can't even understand what's going on here. But you do need to understand this, Job. I got this. I got you. I'm not letting you go. One of the greatest theologies that we can understand with the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's not going to let go of you. I am someone that believes in, man, I want to step forth and in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to conquer, and I'm going to do this. I'm a passionate person. But I thank God that the gospel would say, he's in charge, not me. My faith is dependent on him, not me. Sure, do you need to choose and receive? Absolutely. But too many times we get caught up in us and not caught up enough in him. He will not let go. Trust in that. It's called faith. It's okay to question. It's okay to wonder. It's more than okay to not understand. Your job is to trust and be obedient. And he's a good God, and he's sovereign, and he listens, and the door will be open. As we close today, question ask yourself, are you seeking his kingdom? And only you and God can truly know the answer to that question. Are you seeking his kingdom? Truly, are you? Are you seeking his kingdom? His righteousness, or is it your own? The things of this world, the resources, man, people are, 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 are afraid. And it's not always good stewardship. In fact, I'd say most of the time it's not. It's out of like, God, we got to come up with a plan B because clearly you don't know what you're doing. And you seek your own kingdom, you're going to walk around in fear. One of the things that I, um, I pray for, sometimes in my life I've had it, other times I have not that I fear death. The apostles had such a maturity in the Lord. They're like, bring death on. Nothing's greater than Jesus. Right? I've got some older friends, and as life, this life is coming to an end, they have such peace. And I say, Lord, bring that. And he says, I am. you got these trials and tribulations, and they're going to grow your faith. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Seek his kingdom. Number two, do you need direction? We all need direction, obviously. But some of us are in a very specific time that God is saying, I am choosing your left or your right. Seek his will. And I would encourage you, be prayed for today. Seek counsel today. Right? Some of us are in a very specific time that you need direction. We all need direction. But then there comes time that, no, this is a very specific God time. And then lastly, the greatest question that we could ever be asked, have you said yes to Jesus? I've seen so many people in my lifetime say yes to Jesus, truly say yes to Jesus. And they don't hesitate. They know he's God no matter what. Sure, do they have bad days? Yes. Have they lost children? Yes, and it's terrible. But he's still God. He's still holy. He's still good. But I've had friends that get frustrated with Christianity and um, we just blow smoke and mirrors at them and, and, and um, rainbows and sunshine. And too many times they're not asked, dude, I don't 
think you've really said yes to Jesus. Because if you've said yes to Jesus, your whole worldview would be different. So if that's you today, have you said yes to Jesus? I promise you it'd be the best yes you've ever said. To no longer be king of your own life. To no longer be in chains. When we surrender to Jesus, there's nothing like it. And it's a question for eternity. As we close, there are people in the back that would love to pray with you. There's also the elements for communion. We pray in Jesus' name the Holy Spirit would speak to each of us as we seek his kingdom this morning. Pray with me. Father, Lord God, I love you. And I thank you that um, my words or anyone else's words are not bigger than your spirit. We believe in Jesus' name that you're speaking to hearts and minds in this room. Some just being encouraged and challenged that you are still God and you are still good. And we're just growing. We're just growing in our faith and you love it and you'll never let us go. Some of us in this room have not said yes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we pray in Jesus' name we intercede for them knowing that you love them and that you want to save them. That today would be the day that they would come from death to truly life. And that they would know you as Abba, Father, King of kings and Lord of lords. Some of us are struggling today because you didn't bless this or you didn't bless that. Maybe they grew up in a Christian home and they didn't see God. But today, they would say, I I don't want a substitute. I want the real thing. I want Jesus. I want all that he has. And that today would be the day that they would see salvation. Father, we love you and we praise you. And your word never comes back void.